0: On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to chat with Stephanie Bregman from Manly Bands. What an awesome conversation. One of the things that we dived into today was partnerships. They've done some incredible partnerships with Fender and a bunch of other people. And we talked about those. We talked about how they scaled up to be uh, one of the biggest, if not the biggest men's wedding band company out there. And uh, just an awesome conversation. You guys are not going to want to miss this one. Hey guys, before we begin, I want to talk to you about how to grow your e-commerce brand in a post iOS 14.5 world. If you're doing over seven figures in D to C, you need to hear this. Back when Facebook ads were absolutely crushing it and driving massive amounts of revenue, setting up basic flows and sending out occasional email campaigns used to cut it. SMS marketing included. You'd see it constantly and so would we when we were looking at accounts at Mindful Marketing. Brands earning 20 to 45% of their total revenue with email marketing with maybe three to four hours of work a month. And that's because they just set up some basic flows and then silence. But now that the Facebook algorithm has stopped spitting out such ridiculous returns, where do we go? Retention. But it requires marketers to go deeper than simple templated flows and copy and pasted campaigns, which we've seen all the time. It requires actually having a system that increases the LTV of your customers and then actually realizing that entire customer lifetime value in a shorter period of time. And how hopefully even searing a higher LTV. We're saddened to see brands do all the same things with their emails and SMS. And we're sick of auditing agency accounts who simply set up welcome flows and show off how many sales they make. Anyone can set up a welcome flow, abandoned cart flow, et cetera. That is the simple stuff, guys. The real key in retention marketing is digging deep into your market, copy, offer, your creative, and then pairing that with a strategy that turns one-time buyers into two-time buyers, into three-time buyers, and on and on, just like we've seen at our brands. So if you wanna find out exactly Exactly how deep our retention marketing strategy goes. Book a quick wins call with our team, and we will show you exactly how we drive more repeat sales for our clients and hopefully how you can too. Go to mindfulmarketing.co slash quick wins. That's mindfulmarketing.co slash quick wins. All one word. Now, on to today's episode. Hey guys, Jordan West back here with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Today, I am super excited to be talking to Stephanie Bregman from Manly Bands. Stephanie, I really actually, I hope uh, one thing I didn't check was your last name pronunciation and and I nailed it. Yes. Yes. I think this is like episode 310-ish somewhere in there. And I have probably gotten a 100 names wrong over that time. So really pumped to actually get your name correct. Stephanie, for people who don't know anything about you, tell us a little bit about who you are and tell us a little bit about Manly Bands.
1: Sure. So uh, my name is Stephanie. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer for Manly Bands. And I have been in the e-commerce world probably since 1995, date back that long. But um, basically- Is that possible? (laughs) It is possible. It was before they even had credit card processing online. So when I was in school, my family actually- created an online business. So I actually got into the business back in the mid 90s when literally people had to call and we had to process credit cards manually. And so they had the time created a website selling medical braces. Anyway, over time, many years later, I stayed in the space. I went to school for e-commerce, which was like the first year they ever had a major for e-commerce and we learned about cybersecurity and HTML coding because that's really all they had back then. Yeah. And basically I I've, I've been working with many different e-commerce companies over time and mostly in the D2C space and it's been really exciting. I had the opportunity to start working for Manly Bands about 3 years ago and they were just starting off. Initially they were start they were in a garage and then John and Michelle the co-CEOs were literally traveling around the country working from their RV and it's turned into this much bigger company obviously right now and we are now like the largest men's wedding band company in the US and it's so exciting to see that and be part of like the growth of the business. And a little background on Manly Bands. So it was started as I mentioned by John and Michelle they are not only husband and wife but also co-CEOs. And John is a self-proclaimed bigger guy. And he went to the jewelry store when they were getting married, could not find even a ring sizer that would fit him, couldn't find a ring that he liked. They pulled out a catalog, showed him like three boring gold bands. They were thousands of dollars. And he's like, this experience just sucks. And so through that, they decided they could do it better. And John and Michelle are both very creative. They've got amazing creative backgrounds and came up with the concept of having manly bands and giving guys an option and something to be excited about during the wedding process. And that's really, Really how Manly Bands was born. And through that, we've had so many really cool materials, things like Dinosaur Bone and Whiskey Barrel and Antler and the Jack Daniel Whiskey Barrel is really cool, by the way. But we also now just launched our Fender uh, line of wedding bands. And then we have some other really cool partnerships with like MLB. And just there's there's a whole bunch of really cool options. And our goal is to make sure that we have enough rings for everyone that's, you know, so that speaks to them. It's something they have to wear the rest of their life. We want to make sure that we're part of that story and mm. that we provide a really good experience.
0: Stephanie, I'm really interested in this idea of partnerships. I think that partnerships can be absolutely incredible. You talked about, you know, Major League Baseball, Fender, there was a couple Oh, Jack Daniels. Walk me through what you guys are thinking about on the marketing side when you're thinking of uh, doing partnerships.
1: Sure. It's a couple things. I mean, number one, we want to look at companies that are authentic, that speak to us and our brand. So for example, like Jack Daniels, they we're using their actual whiskey barrels in our rate as a prime example. And so we know that having something that's that unique, nobody can replicate that, right? So we are now creating a brand partnership with not only a company who has been around for a long time, that has an amazing reputation that it also on the marketing side, though, it gives us an opportunity to reach out to a different group of people that we didn't market to before Mm. the people getting, you know, if you look at our space, we know we're not selling like shirts or pants that anybody can wear. We're selling a a ring, a wedding ring at a specific point in someone's life. And that audience can only be so big in the U S right up to a certain point. And you always have to find other ancillary audiences and create this really cool opportunity to reach out to people who, Hey, maybe they were already married, but they're a musician. And they're like, you know what? I never liked my band. This fender one speaks to me. And so now I'm going to you know, replace my band. Band with this. And there, it just gives us an opportunity to reach out to more people and help have people who did not love their wedding bands before have this new opportunity to find something that really makes, you know, makes them happy.
0: It's funny. I, I right away is obviously, you know, looked your website up as I was, you know, we were doing some of the research and I looked and I'm like, I want one. I want to <laughs> get rid of this one. I, wa- I want a cool wedding band. I love that idea. I've got a question for you that's kind of come coming to mind right now. You know, we're in 2022 now, hopefully kind of nearing the end of the pandemic. Things have been a lot more locked down up here in Canada, obviously. And yes. I know so many people who have had to push their weddings back and back and back. And I'm sure it's similar uh, in the US. Did that hurt? hurt sales during that time
1: so it didn't we've doubled our revenue year over year it's been really incredible our growth has been astronomical and i think it's because people were still wanting to get engaged right so like Mm -hmm. even though they didn't have the wedding they were still buying their their wedding bands and so it didn't hurt us as much but the, the one thing that did hurt us obviously is that our customers were hurting right like they their expectations of what was supposed to happen in their life has changed and so for us as a brand we lead with humor right like it's very our brand is very satirical it's fun we poke fun at ourselves. You know, we're not a chauvinistic brand. We, you know, there's no toxic masculinity that's happening behind the scenes. Mm. It's really about just having fun, poking fun at the fact that guys just never had an option and now we're actually here to help. And so I think that for us it was really difficult because our customers were upset, right? This is like their their lives were disrupted. And yeah. we had to find a way of changing some of that satire and some of that humor to be more appropriate for what was going on in the world. Uh, we didn't want to change who we were as a brand. We we can't Change who we are as a brand, what's most important, but we also have to make sure that we are very careful with our approach because we want to make sure that our customers know that we are in this with them and that we'll do whatever we can to make at least this part of the process a little bit easier for them.
0: Mm, I love that. I love that. That's absolutely great. 2021 was a difficult year for a lot of brands, right? 2020 was awesome. You know, everyone was great. Everyone was spending money online. People were spending so much time online. And then 2021 came around and you had all of the different factors. You had iOS 14.5. You had, you know, people just not spending as much time, people actually getting outside again and hanging out with friends in real life. How was 2021 for you guys and what was working marketing wise?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, we have built up a really strong uh, database of emails of people who are very interested in our brand. I think for for us during 2021, it kind of took us back to the basics. We had to rethink how we were marketing. We had to rethink how we were going to like optimize for best performance, but at the same time, still continue to carry our creatives as our strength and keep making sure that our brand stays consistent. Um, so I think for us, you know, iOS I think was obviously a, a huge challenge for us. We do we spend a lot of money on Facebook as well as Google. But for us, the, the Facebook iOS changes had us reflect a little bit more on where we should really put dollars just to get through this time until we can figure out where things are going to stabilize. And I think it all comes back down to predictability. And I think mm. that if you can't figure out how to be predictable as a company, it can take you down quickly. And we are a, a you know a pretty bootstrap brute, brute company. And so we want to make sure that we're always doing things the right way. And so I think for me, in order for us to be able to, to weather the change Changes of what's happening because it's not just COVID, it's not just iOS. This is not the first time we've seen these interruptions over the past twenty years. We've seen this, and it won't be
0: the last, Stephanie.
1: (laughs) No, I mean, saw Google put out there change. You know, their new rollout is going to start. I don't think it's going to take effect till twenty twenty three. That's right. They just announced this morning. Exactly. They just announced it. And so I think that we're, it's never going to stop. And I think what we have to do as marketers is we have to first stop, take a breath, and go, keep throwing them at me. (laughs) Because I think that's what we are like. We're literally like hitting tennis balls back and forth and trying to make sure that we can help in these obstacles and and be more predictable and understand where our data is coming from. So I think that a lot of this comes down to to data. It comes down to how consumers perceive data and how do we use data to help our consumers. The one battle that drives me crazy is this iOS Apple battle. of what is cyber you know what does security really mean for your data? And I believe that iOS, there was a lot of misinformation about what they were telling their customers to get people to opt out of Facebook. And then you'll see Apple last week, I had a pop-up right on my computer that said from Apple. Interestingly enough, you know if you be if you want to make sure that you have personalized experiences with Apple and our ads, make sure to click here and you know so basically it literally, I, I laugh. I was like one day they're gonna do a case study on what Apple and Facebook are doing to each other and you can see what's happening and it's just, it's crazy. But on our end, on, on the data side, we are very good about measuring our data and using our own first party data to make decisions. So if I relied on Facebook to tell me what you know what their performance was without testing what our actual performance is before yeah. iOS happened, it could have destroyed us as a company. Yeah. And so I think that the one thing that I will use as a takeaway is that if we look at what we used to do many years ago, is we used to kind of geo test things or AB test things on site the same way we do with anything, with whether there are emails or whatever it is. And so if we AB test on site and we AB test our emails, we need to be doing geo tests the same way on our ad traffic. And that allows us to get a better idea of really what's happening from an incrementality standpoint to mm. all of our ad spend.
0: And so- Walk me through how you geo-test and, and why you would geo-test.
1: Sure, so for example, I think Facebook's a big one. So when you look at like what we call like our prospecting or our awareness campaigns, you know, or even, even with Google, we have a seven day window, right? To figure out whether somebody converts. Well, people buying wedding bands, it's a process, <laughs> Good right? luck.
0: How many people, Stephanie, know about you one in in day one, and then purchase within days one through seven.
1: It's hard to tell, you know why? Because we don't have that data anymore. We can tell, mm. we can see the people buying on day one, a lot of them, it could be 40% of people are buying on day one, but most likely they're people who've been there, came back, we've lost their data and now they're buying again. Absolutely. It could also be people buying our ring sizers because they want to measure themselves before they purchase. And so yeah. the only way that we can tell what the cycle is of people buying is by watching our ROAS and watching our incrementality and seeing what happens. So if I looked at a seven day window versus a 30 day window, my revenue dollars attributed to Facebook would have been like triple what Facebook was even telling me. And same with Google, very close. And so we know that the longer time period that you have to convert, the better your chances are going to be for a business like this one, like Manly Bands. And so I think that it's something that a lot of business owners and people who are in the space don't understand is that one thing that happens is everyone says, well, I have a seven-day window for Facebook, so I'm going to cut down all my other marketing tactics into seven days so that they're equal. Uh, Unless you have a measurement tool, it's really, really difficult to tell what your incrementality is. So if you have the opportunity to get 30 days in get it. You know, if you don't have those tools, use that as much of a window as you have to see what's really happening with your data, especially if your customers are taking longer to convert. So what we've learned is that while a lot of businesses said, well, we're going to pull back, you know, we didn't pull back. We continue to spend the way that we normally have been spending. We were able to optimize campaigns, but we'll, we'll geo test for awareness. We'll geo test for remarketing. And then we'll also do scale tests to see how much can we really put in certain areas to see whether yeah. or not something's going to be profitable for us or whether or not it's not before we start spending a lot more money.
0: What, what are the geos that you're looking at? Are you looking at states? Are you looking at specific mm-hmm. cities? How are you knowing which ones to test versus not test?
1: So a lot of this comes with practice. And so for us as a company, we partner with another company that that kind of helps to train us as a team to think about geotesting in a specific way. And And so it really depends on the test, but usually what they'll do is they'll map out what states make up the majority of what your customer behavior is really like. And they'll pick those states and then they'll run them, whether it's a holdout test, a scale test, and that's usually how they can figure out what your performance would look like by that. And it could be maybe four states, five states, but it depends on how much site traffic you have. There's a lot of things that they look at when making those types of decisions.
0: What tool are they using for that? Is that Google Analytics? Is that a third-party tool?
1: So we're using a third-party company uh, called Measured, and I think they do a, a really good job, but there's a lot of other companies as well. Measured, I thought, was really great because what I don't like to do is I don't like working with tech tools that say, let's look at your consumer data and see how your consumers are behaving because we don't have consumer data anymore. We're losing mm-hmm. the ability to understand that. So instead of thinking of it from like, what are my consumers doing? How are they behaving? It comes down to where am I spending money? And then when I remove or am I put more money into a certain area, what happens to my revenue? So if you, ta- if you cut consumers out completely and look at revenue and spend, it takes some of that concern away. And so as a marketer, you, you need to be able to sleep better at night knowing that you're making a good decision. And how can you go to your CEO or your president or whoever you, you report to and say, you know what, I think this is what you should do without any backing as to why we have to look at data. And if we're losing data, what data can we rely on? And that's where, you know, that's the direction that we went into.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Stephanie, I got to ask you the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. What is your secret to scaling?
1: Sure. I think there's two things for me. I think that predictability is the biggest thing. Is using data, figuring out how to be predictable as a business is probably the most important thing. Because if you're going to scale, there's so many things down the line that can affect it. And I think the predictability goes into understanding how a business operates. So, marketing does not live in a silo, and we have to make sure we remember that. And so, because I've had experience working for businesses before where I've been able to understand how PL works, how cash flow works, how, you know, understanding the other side of a business and understanding how you can impact that business. So, if I know that my marketing Budget is going to drive so much in revenue, and if I miss that marketing budget, and I don't have other, you know, and I'm heavily reliant on making sure that we have enough cash flow, I'm going to spend very differently, or I'm going to look at revenue a little bit differently than I look at in, in a different way. So I think that's important because when you scale and you scale fast, there's a lot of things that can go wrong, and so you have to yeah. really make sure that you're as careful as possible. So I'm going to say being predictable is probably the biggest piece, and then also on the fun side. I think having a brand story, having authenticity, and then having, you know, standing for something as a company, I think that's also important. And it comes from the top down. If you're going to scale, communication is so important, but really just creating a fun and exciting brand. I, th- I think that like we actually, as a business, we won best places to work last year and it was such a wow. huge accomplishment. But as a company, we've always put our employees first. We put mental health of our employees first. And when you're scaling so quickly, you're growing fast and you have to really make sure you take the temperature of your team at all times to make sure that everyone has what they need from a resource perspective to grow at that pace. So it's a big web, but I would say predictability and just creative creativity and branding and communication.
0: I love it. That's so great. Uh, I was going to make a little point there too. Um, You know, the companies that we see and the companies that we own as well that do the best are generally led with the marketing department, right? They're they're led with, they're having a marketing centric CEO or founder rather than a product centric one. Now the ones, now the, the caveat there is that the ones that do really well on the product centric side generally find a partner who is incredible on the marketing side, but without the marketing side of things, like you can have the best product in the world and you're going to be stuck in craft fairs. Right. And that's as far as you're going to go if you don't know how to market yourself. So I found that an interesting point of of what you were talking about there being led uh, with marketing.
1: Yeah. And our CEO, one one of our CEOs, John, he has a really strong marketing background. He's super creative. I'm very lucky obviously to be able to work with him. So the two of us together were trouble. So no, We always have fun. There's so many cool things that we are doing this year. Really psyched, really excited about it. But I think that you're 100% on point. Like we we are totally led by marketing, but there are people in the business that without them, we would not be able to do what we are doing because to scale that quickly, you cannot rely on one, just one department.
0: That's right, that's right. Stephanie, I got three questions left for you. First question, what is your favorite tool or app that you're using right now?
1: Sure, so is this a personal question or is this more of like a business person? This can
0: be business or personal.
1: So. For a business perspective, I'm just, I mean, I listen to podcasts all day long. So I'm, that's, that's all to put that out there. I'm always listening to podcasts because my brain is constantly moving and I can't sit still. I would also say I was using Duolingo because I'm always wanting to understand new languages. Awesome. Which is really cool. And then from a business standpoint, because I feel like that's what people are really wanting to care. No one cares about what I'm doing. But I think that from a business perspective, we use a couple things throughout the day. We use a uh, company, we use CoSchedule to do a lot of our marketing campaigns. Cool. We're using Sprout Social for a lot of our social. But yeah, I mean, I don't think there's just really like one app. I think I have hundred apps uh, just like in one folder in my phone. So, but yeah.
0: Well, thank you. Uh, second question for you: favorite podcast or audio book that you're listening to right now?
1: So I am part of an amazing group called Chief, and Chief is a group of women uh, that get together uh, from all over the country that are usually in like sea level positions or management positions, oh. and so they have an amazing podcast. It's an incredible group that I have the honor of being part of. So I listen to that podcast literally every day they're incredible and is that just the
0: chief the chief podcast or what
1: yeah they have a chief podcast i think anyone can access it but it's really really awesome and we get to learn a lot about cool new topics this morning i think i was listening to one about the metaverse and nfts and you know geeking out to that but i also am a big book reader i have lots of regular books as well because i'm also an 80s kid so i love a regular book so i'm also reading a book right now called radical candor by kim scott and i think like two other books as well but I, i I like reading books about management, leadership, you know, team growth, cool. and then also on other fun things like the metaverse, crypto, things like
0: that. Love it. If you could sit down with anybody, they have to be alive, you get an hour with them, who would it be?
1: That's a really good question. So you're gonna laugh about this. So I'm um, on another podcast I'm gonna be doing where this person is actually a speaker. I'm a speaker on the podcast. It's like a online conference that I'm gonna be part of in a couple of weeks. And this person, I actually am on i I'm not on a panel with them, but they're speaking and I'm speaking. But I have never I wanna sit down and speak with them together. And that's Marcus Limonis from The Prophet. So I'm just gonna throw oh, it. Oh yeah, there. nice. Oh, that's awesome. The reason why is I follow him, I watch his show. And the last time I ran into him was actually in Miami. I was at a hotel and I was at a buffet table and he was at the buffet area getting his breakfast. And I talked to him for a couple of minutes and I just wanted to talk to him for another couple hours. But if I had a chance, I would because I'd love to pick his brain. He's definitely incredibly bright and I feel like I could learn a lot from him, so...
0: Absolutely. Great, great answer. Stephanie, so nice to chat with you. Thanks for uh, all the value that you brought for our listeners today. Uh, where can people find out more about you and uh, more about Manly Bands?
1: Yeah, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. And then if you want to learn more from Manly Bands, please come to manlybands.com. Check us out as well. Please feel free to follow us on any of our social channels, uh, YouTube. We've got some amazing, fun content that will make you laugh and make your day. So
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Stephanie.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having
0: me. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month. That's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please, note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.